You're listening to episode four of Daughters on Fire. So we're right in the middle of the coronavirus and a lot of caregivers out there, you're wondering what to do and how to navigate and advocate for your loved one who may be in a facility. So today we bring on Jody Jackson, who is a registered nurse and the president of a local healthcare company. And she will talk to us about how facilities are managing during this virus and give us some tips on how families can advocate from afar. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, so welcome back um, to Daughters on Fire. Today I am very excited to have on my friend Jody Jackson, who um, I really convinced to be on the podcast like literally within the last 24 hours because of her expertise in a very particular field. So again, we are um, in the middle of March 2020 and the um, Corona COVID-19 virus is, is hitting everybody very, very hard. And of course, many of our listeners, caregivers are dealing with what this means in a new norm of caring for um, an aging parent. And I got I have Jody on today specifically to talk about dealing with um, those loved ones that may be in facility or community settings right now. So Jody Jackson is a good friend and a registered nurse. She's been a nurse for 20 plus years now, 20 or maybe right there in 20 years now, an amazing amount of time. Um, she is one of only nine certified advanced professional members of the Aging Life Care Association in Middle Tennessee. So her expertise is um, just an amazing amount of expertise and not a lot in this arena in the Middle Tennessee area. But really, it's it's hard to come by somebody who has this much expertise in aging adult issues just anywhere in the United States. Our numbers are few and far between. And so the communities are small. And when you tap into somebody who has this much knowledge, um, you want to hang on to them and utilize them as a resource often. So Jody knows what she's talking about. I worked with her at LifeLinks for five years and um, continue to collaborate and refer and utilize LifeLinks and their team um, now that I'm in my private practice as well. So again, Jody, prior to LifeLinks working, so LifeLinks is a care management and advocacy company and they help families navigate aging issues, um, really hands-on private, they're privately they're a private company, so you pay them privately. So they go into every arena when it comes to medical, from end of life to crisis management to hospitalizations to doctor's appointments, the whole gamut. So Jody knows what's going on um, from a very wide perspective with this coronavirus. And she is married and has three children, So, as well as managing being the president of of LifeLinks, the Middle Tennessee LifeLinks. She is also dealing with navigating running a household in the middle of all this chaos. So as a mom, you know, with uh, adulting children as well as a child that is in school, 
you know firsthand what this is like to to just deal with the coronavirus as a professional and as a mom. So I want to pass it over to you, Jody. Fill in the blanks of anything that I missed. I know you so well that um, I, I did not do it justice in, in introducing you to how much expertise and knowledge you have, but hopefully gave our listeners a little bit of information. So tell me a little bit more about yourself that you'd like listeners to know and what your um, boots-on-the-ground experience is right now with this this virus yeah so uh, uh, thanks for having me of course and I find it um, funny that I just had a conversation with one of my um, employees a few minutes ago about care management and being in the home and and doing care management from virtually as we're doing right now and having to deal with cooking three meals a day I've gone back to having to figure out three meals a day so I'm care managing my family as well which is Definitely different than what the norm has been for the last few years. So, um, Just a little bit more about me. I started my nursing career in a hospital in Nashville in the neuro ICU, and we got a lot of respiratory and cardiac overflow, and then went on to um, home health, a totally different ball game, and learned what it was like to take care of people in their homes. And then went on to be an administrator at a CCRC and just had a lot of experience with elderly in different situations and seniors in different aspects of their life and helping them to navigate through all the hoops and gaps and everything in between. Yeah, and a CCRC for those um, that don't know the lingo is a continuing care retirement community. Is that what yeah. the RC stands for? Basically, it meant that they had independent living, assisted living, and then long-term care. They had the whole continuum. Did they also have memory care there? Not at that one. Okay. So, as you can see, Jody knows her stuff, and um, and I and you are like in it deep right now with Corona. And I know there are a lot of caregivers that are really scared because they are the main advocate for their loved one living in a a community setting. So either assisted living or long-term care, memory care units, skilled nursing, rehab. There are, they feel like, and in many cases, they are the primary advocate that is making sure that the care, the loved one's receiving love and attention and understands what's going on with them, but also that they're the ones that are communicating with the nurses, the doctors, and the facility staff. So they're restricted now. I don't tell me what your experiences are. What's the level of restrictions? Are people cut off completely? Are there different levels of what they're being allowed to do? In the long-term care facilities and skilled facilities, there are no visitors allowed. The only um, people that they're letting in are basically private duty caregivers if somebody has to have a caregiver that you know a non-medical caregiver to be with them to be safe or end-of-life um, hospice health care workers are the only people that are being let in so no family no non-essential health care people no home health no care what manager. are you seeing if it is end-of-life with family visiting because i know that you don't get a second chance to have you know to say goodbye to a loved one are you, have you experienced anything related to that? So CMS put out a new ruling, um, a revision to their ruling on Monday that says that families can visit for end of life. Um, 
and they're basically limited to only going into the room where their family member is and nowhere else in the building. And they have to be screened before they come in, their temperature taken. At least that's what's happening around here is their temperature has to be taken and they have to answer a questionnaire of symptoms and where have you traveled in the last 14 days and that kind of thing. I heard someone was saying that, um, I don't even remember where this was, this where this story came from, but I'm sure it's being lived out in many places where this uh, girl found out that um, her, I think it was her mom in a different state who had been on hospice was actually actively dying. And so she had to figure out how to get there. If she flew, she would be quarantined for too long and may not be able to say goodbye. If she drove, then it would be a shorter quarantine, and so it was worth it to try to get out there to say goodbye. So, I mean, just navigating through that is so necessary from a healthcare perspective. I, I know, and you can speak to that even more, but the emotional toll that it's taking on people right now. Yeah. there The emotional fallout from this, families and um, patients, clients, residents, it's it's going to be great because there is such social isolation right now. And, you know, there's a lot of daughters that are daughters and sons that are just basically freaking out because they can't get to their loved one. They can't see them. They can't go in and visit with them. And it, it's heartbreaking. And how are they dealing with memory care patients? Because that would be like a, um, population where they really don't understand and they need more advocating on their behalf there you know some of the assisted livings that have memory care are a little bit more lenient than the long-term care facilities and so family members are being able to come in but um just this week um i belong to the aging life care association and we all as care managers across the nation have a forum where we're all talking about these different things and trying to brainstorm and come up with ideas and one of them this week was um a daughter that has a dad in memory care and he won't take a shower for anybody but her so if she says she's coming he'll take a shower once she gets there you know he'll she can talk him into getting a shower and so she's not allowed in the facility right now because of their rules. And she's just worried that he's not going to get a shower, that he's going to forget who she is in a short amount of time. And, you know, her, she's contemplating taking him home with her, bringing him home. Mm. Are they allowing that? So are they doing any kind of emergency admission or discharges during this time? Depends on what part of the country. Um, some places like Florida, this morning I was on the phone with some people in Florida, and they are not doing any admissions or any discharges. Here in Nashville, they are doing admissions. We haven't seen any discharges. We haven't seen any need for discharges, but um, they are willing to admit um, into assisted living and skilled nursing facilities. That's that's good because I I guess it's probably more of an emergency based situation, would you say, versus just like hey, now's the time to admit. Yes and no. We had a client that um, has been preparing to move for a few months now, and she's supposed to move next week, and um, they were going to let her come on in. But the fear is that once she gets in, that you know, family might not be able to visit because things might have changed by next week. And so they're going to hold off until we see what happens over the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, and I'm sure you're advising families about that, the pros and cons of if you can continue to manage at home. We have had a lot of um, family conference calls really weighing out the pros and cons and deciding what's more beneficial to stay or to go and, you know, how safe is the person versus social isolation versus getting their needs met. It's been some really deep conversations. Yeah. What about um, the caregiving companies? Are you seeing any kind of change in being able to rely on non-medical caregivers coming into the home settings? No, for the most part, they've stepped it up. They've really um, honed in on training them and um, techniques to make sure that they keep the client safe as far as hand washing and protective measures and things like that. And so being on top of that and and doing more training has basically stepped it up in the, the level of care that caregivers are doing, which then in turn makes them feel more needed and they are showing up to work and they're doing their job. And they, I'm sure at this point, even though it used to be a a worker's like um, market as far as they could jump around. Now you really can't jump around because people aren't hiring. And so to know you can go to a job, it's predictable. It's less risk because it's just one home versus a community. So it's probably everybody just wants to show up, do the best they can. Yeah, there's a big sense of community right now, especially after Nashville just getting hit with the tornado. It's kind of like a double whammy for the city, and so a lot of the caregivers have really stepped it up. Yeah, well, that's really good to hear, um, you know, kind of where one one environment might suffer, another one might be kind of stepping it up. And so that's, I'm good, I'm sure for families who are on the fence, that makes a big difference to make a decision of, maybe bringing in caregivers in the home right now. Yeah. So tell me, what are you finding is the best way to communicate with facilities since you can't get in there? Um, so again, LifeLinks has a team of registered nurses that and uh, care managers that are um, social workers and other professionals that advocate on behalf of families. So they are, obviously, they're not going into the facility, so what you all are doing is a really good model for families on how to best communicate with uh, the facility if you need information and you need to advocate. So what, what are you all doing right now? So we have relationships with a lot of facilities here in Nashville, and we have basically teamed up with them to have a point person on our team and a point person on their team to have regular phone calls. So in one facility we have, five clients and some of them are really medically complicated so they've agreed to talk to us every afternoon at you know say three o'clock at three o'clock my nurse and their nurse will talk and they'll talk about updates on the clients they'll send us any labs they'll let us know medication changes they'll tell us how they're doing socially are they able to come out into the any of the activities that they are able to have are they going to therapy those kind of things. Um, and then we have um, others that at other facilities that might not be as frequent. It might be that we're having a phone call once or twice a week to get updates. And I think that has um, really benefited the families, um, building those relationships prior to this to have somebody in the facility to be able to talk to and 
Today, um, one of our clients is, uh, we're setting it up to where they can Skype with their family. The nurse is going to help, and we're going to help the family that's on the outside and get it set up to where they can um, Skype so they can actually see their loved ones. So it's definitely, it, it takes persistence because the people in the facilities are really busy right now, and there's a lot going on, and they're taking on things that they don't normally take on, and you know, they may be down to a skeleton crew if people mm -hmm. are sick. And so it is, you do have to be persistent and patient at the same time. And I would say the best advice is to find that one person, that one nurse or that one social worker or that one employee that you've connected with and just ask them, you know, can I have a regular call with you once a week so that I can check up on my mom or my dad to, to make me feel at ease about them being there without me being able to see them. Yeah. And everybody that is in that facility working is human too. Their lives have been disrupted and they're going through anxiety and stress and the pressure to, to show up, keep showing up. They can't work from home. They can't um, isolate. So I'm sure they're under a huge amount of pressure and a huge amount of, um, of stress. So, it can, and I, and the families are too. So that can be a powder keg for some really maybe not so easy conversations. What would you recommend for families on how to approach a conversation when they are feeling like they're getting stressed and they really need information? What is the best tactic to really respect that everybody is, is um, emotionally fragile right now? Yeah, I think just to recognize it. You know, if they get a staff member on the phone, to say, hey, I realize you're going through a lot, and I realize this is hard on you as well. You know, I, I really want to check on mom because I'm afraid that she's going through a lot. I think mm -hmm. just to be honest, and I think don't be um, defensive or accusing or, you know, angry because right now the whole country is stressed. You know, mm -hmm. everyone in the country is, is feeling uneasy about this new normal that we have and so I think just to have compassion and to realize that that these people at facilities and caregivers and wherever are doing the best that they can. So also um, I'm sure you're getting kind of a lot of inside scoop as far as the protocols that are are being implemented. Do you have any insight that you were like, oh they're doing this and that's that's really good to hear and I, I, I would not have really known that um, from the outside, any kind of feedback that you're getting that would be helpful for families to know? I think the, um, the biggest thing that has made an impact for us and our clients is the telehealth. Um, there's so many doctors willing to do telehealth now and where that hasn't necessarily been easy access in the past. And so, I mean, we had a doctor this morning that was willing to get on Skype with us and the the client to, you know, hear about the symptoms that were going on and figure out if they need to come in or not. But, you know, that's a big um, change is that doctors are willing to do virtual or telehealth medicine so that they keep their client protected and in their home setting versus coming out and being exposed. Have you found that any of the facilities are um, helping um facilitate like FaceTime with the patient and the family members? Is that a method that they're helping connect people with? 
Yes. In fact, I mean, that's if your loved one doesn't have an iPad, I would get them one because that is the biggest, um, that's the easiest way to, to get in touch with them and be able to see them right now as an iPad and FaceTime. And I realize there's people out there that can't do the iPad. Um, that's where you can hopefully get a compassionate staff member that will help them to do that at least once a week so that you can check in. Okay, so I'm in the Android world. Do you have any recommendations for us? <laughs> I guess, you know, any kind of tablet, any kind of um, anything that could hook up to Wi-Fi so that you can you can communicate. Yeah, and, and again, I'm a big Android person, So, um, but if there was ever a time to that, because I just know FaceTime on iPhones is so much easier than like I, there's not one simple FaceTime like way to to call through Android that I'm aware of. There's apps, you know. There's WhatsApp is one that you can um, download onto an Android phone and you can FaceTime through WhatsApp. There's apps like that that you can basically will be able to FaceTime just like if you had an iPhone. So there will be a learning curve for the older adults in these facilities adapting to it. So that will be something that the staff will have to help them with. Um, But I guess maybe, hey, folks, here's an idea. Maybe asking the staff there, if you were to get them something, like you were to purchase something in order to be able to communicate with your loved one, which, what tablet or device would be easiest for the staff to implement because if you get something that the staff is it's hard for the staff to use then that's going to double the difficulty in implementing it yeah and it's not going to be perfect you know everybody's just trying their best right now and it's definitely not going to be perfect but it is a way to communicate Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so anything else that um that you, any recommendations about families preparing for this? Like preparing for what's ahead. I know that everybody that's, all those kids down at spring break in Florida right now believe that this is just going to blow over and it's not going to be a big deal. Meanwhile, there are other people that are really gearing up. And I don't necessarily want you to speak to um, what, you know, put you in a position to say what you think is going to happen. But how do we prepare for the long haul? How do we prepare if this doesn't just, turn a corner in the next couple of weeks and this is more of a two month, you know, um, hunker down kind of, um, process. Yeah. That's a loaded question for sure. And I don't know if you heard, um, what came out on the news today, but in Tennessee, the highest group of the, the highest age population that actually has coronavirus in Tennessee right now is the young people, the 20 to that, well, I think they said 18 to 30-year-olds is the highest population in Tennessee that has it. Probably so, because they weren't told that they were susceptible, and so they haven't been doing the social isolation. Yeah. I definitely think that it's um, we're going to have a new normal for a little while, and I think it's not going to be easy. And, you know, we're going to have to get creative and out of the box on how to connect with people and how to remain um in a community with people in community with people so that we don't all get socially isolated. I I do think that, um, of course, breathing, journaling, praying, all the self care tactics that you can throw at it right now is definitely what we're going to have to have to do. I mean, 
yeah, that's that's a loaded question. Yeah. Well, and again, um, I'm a big big fan of Lifelinks and the support that they do. I know every I know what they do from firsthand experience. I used to work with Lifelinks, um, but care managers can really make a huge difference in advocating, helping calm the families down, and helping them get answers and solutions uh, in the in the middle of this craziness. So if you will tell us a little bit more about what your resources are here with life links in the middle Tennessee area. And then maybe um, a little bit more about the ALCA for people who may be outside of, of middle Tennessee. Yeah. So here in uh, middle Tennessee area, we are the largest care management company. Um, and you know, we, like Melissa said earlier, we have a team of nurses, um, social workers, physical therapists, and we basically connect you with resources here in the community, such as non-medical home care companies, facilities, counselors, doctors, uh, pharmacies. I mean, basically anything in the healthcare world, we can help help you to figure out, and we can do anything from consultative type work where you're just asking us for advice and we're pointing you in the right direction to all the other way, which would be handholding and, and walking you through it and going to meetings with you and going to doctor's appointments with you. And, and uh, then from a nursing standpoint, like going into the, like helping out with medication management and yeah, medication management, we can, um, our physical therapist can do physical therapy with, with the, your loved one at home. Um, yeah. Awesome. And then for people outside of Middle Tennessee, um, can you tell us about the association? Yeah. So um, Life Links is part of the Aging Life Care Association. There's several of us that are certified, and you can go on uh, the website. It stands for um, ALCA, stands for Aging Life Care Association. And you can there's a search function in there where any part of the country that you're in, you can search for a care manager that would be in your part of the country. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jody, for joining me today. I know that this information is so pertinent and your expertise um, are so helpful. And, and just talking to a professional right now, um, if you are, if the anxiety is just extremely overwhelming and you need somebody to help you process through this, um, it's, it's, it's huge. So check out the ALCA or, um, or life links. And thank you so much for your information, Jody. And maybe we'll have you back on from time to time to share more information with caregivers on how to navigate this aging journey. Hopefully next time it's, um, coronavirus free. (laughs) Right. You'll be telling us how to adapt to life after coronavirus, right? Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jody. (laughs) 